Good morning. It's Wednesday, the 21st of June, and I'm Govindraj Ethiraj coming to you from Mumbai, India's financial capital. Our top reports of the day: Google set to follow Apple into India for manufacturing phones. Heat waves are expanding across India, killing hundreds with several economic implications as well. Why women have another shot at traditional manufacturing jobs. Nandan Nilikani donates 400 crore rupees to IIT Bombay. Donate or set up your own college. What should businessmen do? And hmm, what Tata Power's managing director Praveer Sinha had to say on work from home. This is a core report with Govindraj Athiraj. Google said to follow Apple into India for manufacturing phones. Google is looking for suppliers in India to assemble its Pixel smartphones as it borrows from Apple Inc's playbook to diversify beyond China. Bloomberg News is reporting. Google has apparently initiated early conversations with local companies including Lava International and Dixon Technologies as well as Foxconn Technology Group's Indian unit Bharat FIH. People familiar with the matter told Bloomberg. Now Google would be the latest global technology player to move production to India. A mix of companies overseas and Indian have leaned on the Indian government's move to offer production linked financial incentives aimed at boosting local manufacturing. Now this has already worked or working in areas ranging from air conditioner compressors to electronics even as more sectors are ramping up. Apple has used this program to widen its supplier base in India and tripled iPhone output to more than 7 billion dollars in the last financial year. Now, Google built about 9 million Pixel smartphones last year according to CounterPoint research. In contrast, Apple is believed to have shipped around 232 million smartphones last year globally. Google's move now, if it goes through, is symbolically strong because it is largely known for its software and Android-led app ecosystem presence in the domestic market apart from very large development and support centers across the country. Now, as signals go, a Google setting up in India would thus be a good one for local manufacturing even if proportionately smaller than other similar moves in manufacturing once again. Meanwhile, Prime Minister Narendra Modi is expected to meet Elon Musk today on a visit to the United States to woo Tesla Inc to make electric cars in India. Tesla executives visited India last month to speak of domestic sourcing of parts and incentives with government officials during their visit, though it did not culminate in a proposal to set up a plant. Musk by the way has engaged with other Asian countries including South Korea. In January Bloomberg News again reported that Tesla is close to a preliminary deal to set up a factory in Indonesia. that would produce as many as a million cars a year heat waves lash india affecting people and the economy at least 98 people are reported dead in the states of uttar pradesh and bihar following intense heat waves now while heat waves may not have been the direct cause of these deaths it could have exacerbated an existing condition given that many patients were admitted with chest pain breathlessness and fever according to reports Temperatures in some zones between these two states crossed 45 degrees Celsius and even more and hovered mostly between 42 and 44 degrees Celsius last week. There have been successive heat waves in recent months with Mumbai alone experiencing at least four heat wave warnings this year alone. Now heat waves are normal in summer but the frequency and intensity are increasing. Cities are more affected as they are warming faster than neighboring areas. Dr. Chandni Singh, a researcher at the Indian Institute of Human Settlements, told the course Jessica Jani a few weeks ago 
that if you look at past trends from 1951 to 2016, the frequency of hot days and hot nights has increased significantly. The impact on human life is most unfortunate, given that people are exposed to heat waves because they mostly don't have a choice but to be out there in the open on most times. Now, roughly 50% or almost half of India's workforce labors outdoors. A World Bank report in December said that around 380 million people in India's workforce or 75% are dependent on labor frequently exposed to high heat. India may account for 34 million of the anticipated 80 million job losses worldwide due to heat stress-related productivity drops by 2030. Now, the data, whether you believe it or not, reflects the extreme, which is deaths, which too is disputed, as has happened in Uttar Pradesh just now. But it is a fact that for those laboring outside, heat waves will reduce their productivity and the number of hours they work. This, in turn, reduces their income levels. Remember, half the country's workforce labors outdoors and therefore, it goes without saying that a substantial part of this workforce, if not all of it, will be in the informal sector and thus with limited medical benefits or only perhaps government benefits. Now, while the government in the centre and states have become more proactive in declaring heat waves and warning people, much more needs to be done to ensure workers and thus livelihoods are protected. This could be done, for example, by stepping up healthcare benefits or, more importantly, by mandating working conditions in both private and public sector that account for extreme weather. By the way, please do not assume that extreme weather is only heat. The Lancet Planetary Health Journal said two years ago that annual deaths in India associated with high temperatures is around 83,700. But deaths linked with abnormal cold temperatures stood at 655,400, or almost 0.6 million. Speaking of heat waves, an important decision that should help the trucking and logistics industry, as well as the drivers who run them. India's Transport and Highways Minister Nitin Gadkari has said that the government is now going to make it mandatory for air conditioning in all truck driver compartments. He acknowledged the difficulties of truck drivers during harsh weather conditions. Our drivers operate vehicles in harsh temperatures of 43 to 47 degrees. I was keen to introduce the air-conditioned cabin, but some people opposed it, saying the cost of trucks will go up. Today, I have signed the file that all truck cabins will be AC cabins, Gadkari was quoted as saying by agencies yesterday. He also said that this would help drivers who worked long hours to make up for a shortage of drivers as well. Can women step up in manufacturing? There is much discussion around Industry 4.0 technologies in manufacturing. This is a subject we, of course, will return to frequently. For now, and partly borrowing from McKinsey & Co., Industry 4.0, or the fourth industrial revolution, broadly means the current era of connectivity via sensors and cloud, advanced analytics, automation, including human-machine interaction via robotics, and advanced engineering, including via 3D printing and the like. Now, to get to the point today, the fourth industrial revolution offers, among other things, the opportunity for women to get into manufacturing, perhaps for the first time and in a far more concerted way than ever before. To give you a quick background, roughly 40% of Indians graduating in science, technology, engineering and maths, or STEM as it's called, are women, though the number that get employed or take up employment is much less. For example, Women only constitute 14% of the total 280,000 scientists, engineers and technologists in research development institutions in India, according to the United Nations. Anyway, we are talking about manufacturing, 
And here's why Industry 4.0 could offer new opportunities in the words of Rekha Menon, Chairperson and Senior Managing Director and Vice Chairperson Accenture India at a CII conference in Mumbai I was present at yesterday. But there's one thing missing and that's why we're all here today is we have to get one leg right. I mean, there are a whole lot of other things we have to get right, whether it's licenses or land or whatever else, but we have to get skilling right because without that, we're not going to achieve the potential. And there's a second thing that I would push in, which is my favorite, which is we also have to mainstream women into the manufacturing workforce. Uh, and the opportunity exists now. Rekha Menon also touched upon the skill gap opening up and thus the need to upskill rapidly for Indian industry as a whole and technology in specific. More from her. From our report, there's a 70% skill gap currently across digital data and machine fluency alone. And this is the India Skill Report of uh, 2023. That's a huge gap. You know, it's gaps in understanding uh, data generated by machines, how to use that data, what actions to take. It's inability to work with robots uh, on the shop floor. It's inability to cope with the speed of automated machines to drive output. Infosys co-founder Nandan Nelikani has donated 315 crore rupees to IIT Bombay, his alumni, building on his previous grant of 85 crore rupees to the institute, bringing the total value of his support to 400 crore rupees. Nandan Nelikani said, IIT Bombay has been a cornerstone in my life, shaping my formative years and laying the foundation for my journey. This donation is more than just a financial contribution. It's a tribute to the place that has given me so much and a commitment to the students who will shape our world tomorrow. An official release noted that the donation would be instrumental in fostering world-class infrastructure, stimulating research in emerging areas of engineering and technology, and nurturing a deep tech startup ecosystem at IIT Bombay. There are, as we know, only a handful of donors to public institutions in India, mostly from the technology world. Some, to quote an example, non-technology businessmen like Ratan Tata and Anand Mahindra have pointed their philanthropy westwards, in addition to, of course, within India. The Tatas, for example, earlier donated 94 crore rupees to IIT Bombay itself via the Sir Dorabji Tata Trust. In 2010, the Tata Group donated $50 million to Harvard Business School. Anand Mahindra donated $10 million to Harvard University to support a humanities centre in the same year in honour of his mother and renaming the centre the Mahindra Humanities Centre at Harvard. It also depends on where you study, of course. Nilikani, as I mentioned earlier, studied at IIT Bombay, while Mahindra studied at Harvard University and Harvard Business School. Ratan Tata got his BS degree in architecture from Cornell University in 1962, though. The question that has struck me often when such large philanthropic gifts are made is to who? Many businessmen and entrepreneurs in India would rather build a college or start a university rather than contribute to someone else or something else. One way of looking at it is that my vision for education is pretty different from what I see around me in India and I'm better off starting a new one. The other is that there are fine institutions in place and contributing to them will add proportionately much more in value to their cachet and to everyone's cachet than setting up another brand new college or institution. And when I say everyone, I mean the country. In most cases, setting up of a university becomes a business in itself, whatever the stated motivation. I reckon that's fine too, but that does not seem to have achieved the final outcome of, say, producing the best-in-class graduates or engineering students in India. 
We now have thousands of engineering colleges across India which are running below capacity and in many cases have shut down. Close to 600 engineering colleges have shut in the last seven years and more scheduled to shut down. Colleges and other disciplines like pharmacy too have shut down while many of these colleges now across disciplines are running way below capacity, many below 50% and some even below 30%. Now this tells you that there has been a gross misallocation of private capital and government resources because many educational institutions being structured as public trusts get built on free land. Now, all of this has mostly happened, by the way, in the last 10 to 15 years. The other value destruction is the fees that students pay, leading to a degree which obviously has limited value in the job market. There are many problems here and I guess as many solutions. But this is definitely a good time to look at wealth distribution in and to education, to whom and in what context. Let me draw in an example from elsewhere. The famous investor and one of the world's richest individuals, Warren Buffett, does a lot of charity. But guess what? He does not do it on his own. Instead, he gives his charitable funds to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, depending on the Gates Foundation organization and their people, and leaving it to them to put the funds to whatever cause they deem fit. Were you wondering what the number is? Well, Warren Buffett's contributions to the Gates Foundation from 2006 to now add up to $36 billion. And hmm, when you work from home, which day were you really thinking of? What do manufacturing companies think of working from home today? And how do the top brass view it? Well, I could add more background and foreground, but I thought it would be interesting to quote Dr. Praveer Sinha, Tata Power Managing Director and CEO on this theme, while speaking in the context of jobs and skills at the same conference I was referring to earlier. I find, uh, of course, there has been a lot talked in last three years about work from home and and uh, how it is a great thing and and people have uh, gone overboard and done work from home but i think uh, there is also a need that when we are talking of skilling and training and working it has to be work from office most of the youngsters when they come to my office they talk to me that uh, do we have work from home and i say yes we have work from home sundays we work from home rest of the days we work from office so there is nothing like work from home and uh, there can be some skill sets where people can work from home but i think we should not make a big thing that uh, work from home for us it's important that we work with our hands every country when they have gone through a change you see germany you see japan you see whole of europe you see china uh, you have to actually go and see the type of work and the skill sets and the diligence that they bring in type of work that they do. And if India has to really overtake China, the productivity of India has to go up many, many more times. Dr. Sina, whose company, by the way, announced a 12,000 crore capital expenditure plan just the day before yesterday, also had a point of view to share, which he says he shared with his incoming engineers. Tata Power brings in about 500 engineers every year. Every year, we recruit about 500 graduate engineer trainees. And uh, I ask them what you will do. Uh, most of them want to do strategy and want to make presentation. Uh, I run power companies. So I ask them, uh, do you want to become power plant engineers or PowerPoint engineers? So we need to tell them that you guys have to come and work in the field. Don't get into strategy from day one without not, not knowing what the hell is the industry about. 
from power point to power plant. That's some way indeed. Well, that's it from me today. Have a great day ahead and see you tomorrow same time. As always, do share this podcast if you like it with your friends and family and do send your feedback to me at govindraj at thecore.in. Thanks once again. This was The Core Report with me, Govindraj Ethiraj. Do stay connected with more of our coverage at The Core. You can check out our website or sign up to our newsletter at www.thecore.in that is www.thecore.in or follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook as well. Now, we would love your feedback on how we can make business more interesting and relevant to you including our reporting on India's vibrant manufacturing sector. Write to us at feedback at the core.in. Thank you for listening.